dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, we return to downtown Paso Robles Wine District, and I am sitting down with Magdalena and Michael Wojcik of The Blending Lab. Their business is a fun way for you to become a winemaker for a day. When you walk into their tasting room, you have the ability to sample different varietals and blend them together to make your own unique wine. You even get to take a bottle of your wine home with you to flaunt in front of your friends. If you listen to the podcast, you know that many ask for Patreon. We do not plan on doing this, but we do ask for you to support the podcast by leaving a review. It takes only a few seconds of your time, but means so much to the show. The next best way to support Exploring the Wine Glass is to tell your friends. If you're enjoying the podcast, your wine-loving friends will too. Finally, don't forget to head over to the website, exploringthewineglass.com, to read the blog, sign up for the newsletter, so that you can keep up on all the happenings. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, Spanish wine scholar, someday service, champagne and Côte d'Arone specialist, and a WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. Stay in the know about all things wine by visiting my website, exploringthewineglass.com. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Allure of the Poor, sponsored by Dracina Wines. I'm your host, Lori, and today we are continuing the downtown Paso Robles Wine District interviews with Michael and Magdaleno Wojcik. Did I say that right? Close enough? It's good. All right. And they are um, the owners of The Blending Lab, which I might actually say might be the newest place in downtown Paso, as you guys just recently opened up. So first, welcome to Exploring the Wine Glass and welcome to downtown Paso. Thank you on both accounts. (laughs) Very excited to be here and in downtown Paso Robles. And before we actually get into the conversation, Michael, I love that shirt. So Uh on the podcast, they're not going to be able to see it, but it is Doriga Nacional. And so absolutely love it. So my first question is going to be, do you have Doriga Nacional at the Blending Lab? We do. It's a new grape that we sourced really only in the 2022 vintage, uh, but it is deployed in the tasting room within our rosé so we are technically using it but you'll you'll see it migrate into the into the blending classes of the tasting room which we'll get into probably in the next two years i think it needs some time all right absolutely so my first question well i guess now this is my second question but what is the origin story for the two of you how did you find your way to wine do you want to take you want me to take it um well let's see i feel like we tag team in interviews so uh, you know, we actually went on a trip to Argentina and we've always been entrepreneurial, the two of us. And we actually have our third partner, Chris, who's not here today, but um, he's a partner in this endeavor. But the two of us have always been entrepreneurial and, and have always kind of thought that we'd start a business. And we went on this trip. I don't know if we ever thought we'd have a winery, but we daydream that we'd own a vineyard, you know, live on a vineyard like normal people do. Of course, <laughs> you know. So we went to Argentina and we did this blending experience. And our background is actually in advertising. Both of us came from advertising backgrounds. Michael still works in advertising and I do it on a contract basis. And in advertising, people take you out to dinners or different like special events. So we're like, oh my God, how does this not exist? Like we we should do this concept, the blending lab, where people can just bring their clients and do blending classes and make a bottle of their own blend. And, you know, that kind of like, we got back from the trip. I created a business uh, plan. Michael improved it. And then we went to the, you know, the the friends that were with us on the trip to basically come on board of, of this amazing idea. And uh, we did. And somewhere in between, uh, as we were exploring, you know, just the different nuances with alcohol licensing, there was a note from ABC or the city saying, well, you have to make wine. And we're like, oh, well, why not make wine that way we can control the product as well 
So, you know, many, many, many moons later, um, here we are making wine. We obviously don't own a vineyard yet, um, but we do source grapes, which kind of lends itself really nicely to our business because we are, we are able to diversify and source grapes like Torriga Nacional uh, and, you know, kind of offer different options for uh, people to uh, partake in and, and explore in wine blending classes. So I'll just interject. I think okay. a fun fact <laughs> to the origin story. If I'm not mistaken, I think the name the blending lab was literally decided at the table same yes, day. For sure. And I don't, we couldn't improve upon it. And then we, we went and did the research and nobody had it or claimed it. So we're like, oh, all right, there you go. <laughs> that is that is the key. That is that is yeah. the key. All right. So I I'm sorry, Magdalene, you've now trademarked it. Oh yeah, that was like the first thing we did. We're like, all right, let's trademark this. And I have a friend who's a paralegal and she's been our like honorary team member that gets paid in wine and she helps us with all that stuff. So yeah. That is the best employee ever if they yes. get paid in wine, right? <laughs> <laughs> and a whole other sidebar, non-wine related trademarking is uh, is insane. We oh, yeah. we have we have something in the trademark um queue, I should say. And it's like, all right, it's been three months and they're just, I just had my husband check and it's, uh, they're only up to, uh, October of 2022 now. Oh, wow. and it, right. And so we're in August. So <laughs> they're, well, they're just a little bit behind our blending kit. And that has been in the queue for three years. <laughs> oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> but is that's this becoming, is this so... becoming a wine council? Right. Legal council. Legal but... council. Legal <laughs> council. Right? It's just, oh my God, you know. And yeah, so as you said, yes, in order to be a winery, you have to make you have to make wine. They don't tell you how much you have to make, but you have to you have to make wine. So sometimes we've walked into some wineries that are winding down and you see them like with the with the mil uh, the water the water jug thing you know and that's that's yeah. their wine you know um so yes it is kind of an important aspect um so the the concept behind the blending lab i mean i think the name kind of tells it all so it's a great name but tell us what the con and is there a difference between what the concept was in your brain and then once you went to start doing the business did it have to change at all um, or morph into something else? I don't think the concept has really changed all that much. I think even when we were doing things like financial projections, I think we just about nailed it, which is kind of weird, actually. But I think what did change, um, because and I'll say this, like within the origin story, it's not like we're the only ones out there doing this blending thing. You can go to other wineries and there are blending experiences. Um, we brought it to Los Angeles and we happened to bring wine tasting from a winery tasting room perspective with it for maybe one of the first times to the city or arguably amongst the first times to the city but in a the, while yeah since or like much earlier don't need to get into those legal discussions no. <laughs> <laughs> um but what we i think what we stumbled upon is this idea of if i'm going to bring wine to los angeles and i'm going to bring wine blending to los angeles you're not going to get hand raisers that are going to come in and just do whatever and so actually what happened is we needed to put a process in place. And so I'd say what, the one thing that's probably the most different from where the blending lab sits now versus the original idea is that the blending class is just that it's literally a class. And so you're not just coming in and drinking wine for the enjoyment of drinking wine. You have to sit and listen to me talk about <laughs> wine and how to like, I, I just try to impart like a deeper appreciation for wine amongst the audience and teach them how simple it is because if you're a winemaker blending wines to put into a bottle because we certainly make our own blends we're not just randomly stashing stuff together and just sort of shrugging our shoulders if it works like we're looking at the details and trying to ask ourselves how can i fundamentally improve this and if i discuss improvement what does improvement really literally mean for this wine and so the class part is just like showing people those nuances in wine and showing them how they have the potential to perceive those nuances and actually make a blend that they would like themselves. And now a word from our sponsor. The 27 individual tasting rooms that make up the downtown wine district are situated in the heart of Paso Robles city center, where you are only steps away from all Paso Robles has to offer in the way of dining, shopping, and entertainment. 
visit downtown Paso Robles to find yourself among the greatest concentration of wineries in the area. In downtown, consumers can experience Paso Robles' rich and diverse wine country lifestyle, sample quality wines from each of the region's 11 distinct sub-appellations, and have the opportunity to meet vintners that are as passionate about downtown as they are about their wine. So they come in. Um, well, let's I'll backtrack a little. So you started in Los Angeles and you have a blending lab in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. What made you say, you know, we're going to go to Paso now and do a blending lab in Paso? Oh, it's complicated. I think we've always kind of just I mean, like him and I have always just, again, dreamt about just having property, had failed attempts of buying property. And, you know, and I think like after covid we really just wanted to expand and that was kind of like kind of like the natural place to expand to and and it wasn't immediate because obviously like everybody in Paso knows how difficult it is to get real estate in Paso mm-hmm. these days whether you're renting buying whatever it may be and we really like we had one failed attempt of when we were actually trying to buy a piece of land to have the blending lab. No, and we had th- two failed attempts. Okay, fine. <laughs> two failed attempts. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we kind of like thought to ourselves, because I think like our industry and especially like, you know, in, in Paso and even in Santa Barbara, when we were starting our business and we would kind of go and just ask winemakers and people that work at wineries, how do we get started? So, you know, we started asking around and just kind of being like, like let's use our, our you know, our peers to see if there's anything out there. And that's literally what happened. Like we asked and the next day we got a phone call back with someone just being like, Hey, actually a friend of mine is subleasing a space downtown. And, you know, here we are. I mean, it happened so quickly. We literally just like met uh, it's Brian at Calesta. We met him and, you know, before we knew it, we're meeting Doug from Peachy Canyon and he's the landlord. So, and the deal was closed and that was it. (laughs) I think like we looked at Paso and said for a long time we wanted to be there. Um, I, I kind of sometimes joke too that like we got started in LA so we could just like figure it out and make mistakes in some relative obscurity or a cloak of obscurity okay. so that we could actually get it right when, when we came you come to Paso. To Paso. <laughs> be a little bit more serious with it. Uh, but the other piece of it too is like we're actually in this transition phase of LA where we actually moved tasting room locations. So we're just finishing the permitting on that. So we we were literally looking at our real estate options and saying like, we might not even be in LA anymore. We're not sure because permitting is so crazy down there. Um, and and then this, yeah. And then this opportunity popped up and we're like, we might only be full-time in Paso, but we'll have both locations. So that's awesome. If you want to stay local in LA or you want to make the trek up to Paso, you can, you can now do both. Yeah. And the spot is actually very beautiful. I know it from when Kalista was in there. It's an absolutely beautiful spot. You did what everybody does, you know, the the paper goes up on the, the window yeah. so we can't see what's going on. So I haven't walked past since you guys have been open, but I'm excited to see what you did to it. But the the bones, the structure of that tasting room were absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, and that was our goal with, from a design perspective is just to take in the advantages of those em- enormous wall of windows to let that natural light sort of cascade in. And we just like kind of left the floor plan nice and open and created some distinct areas for a class space or some tasting spaces or some fluidity in between. And then we also wrapped the tasting room with these like gorgeous wine shelves. So you feel like you're in a cellar at least while you're doing the class. And you have parking. We do have some yeah. parking. <laughs> for ourselves, at least. I don't want to listen to the podcast. I don't want them showing it up. So, so you promised parking. Uh, I don't uh, know. Yes, for that. yourselves. For yourselves. Yes. Well, that hot. is that is a very that is a very hot debated issue in in downtown Paso. Yeah. And parking. So, uh, in the short time that you've been in downtown, when did you actually open officially? July 1st was our grand opening. Okay. Yeah. So in that short bit of time, like what have you observed about downtown? Like, what do you like about it? What, what, you know, you're sitting there, you're looking at the people walking by, people coming in. What are you noticing about downtown? 
the walkability is awesome, you know? So it's like, if you're staying close, and even if you're not staying close, you can literally just park your car and walk to so many tasting rooms, one, so many amazing restaurants, the park. I mean, like it just keeps on going, the stores. So I think it's just like a really, really great place to explore. And it's like a, yes, you want to go out to the beautiful wineries out in the country, you know, but you can't miss downtown because there's so many exciting things happening downtown. And the thing is, you literally can do so many things in that like small, you know, kind of eight block radius. So uh, I feel like we should continue to like foster having people really stick around downtown throughout oh, the yeah. trip. Maybe not the whole time, but like make sure that being downtown is part of their itinerary. Absolutely. Well, also, from like a walk by perspective, I mean, you got to take advantage of your windows. And sometimes I wonder, I'm like, are we taking full advantage of the windows? because yeah. you have people walk by and it's funny to watch the heads turn and just be like, what is that? <laughs> right? I imagine that happens to a degree when you're driving out in the country, it's just a little more dangerous. <laughs> just a little more dangerous. So what would you do to take better advantage of those windows? Because they are pretty large windows. They're very tall. Yeah. You know, there's also the the interesting conundrum of like, they've got great tint on them too. And so some of the ways oh. that we've overcome that are throw some neon signs around describing what's happening, put some posters up and then yeah, QR codes help a lot. And like, there have been tons of time where either we've just shut down or we're just barely getting ready to open and somebody walks by and they just whip out their phone and just take a snap of the QR code. And at least we know like, Hey, the next time that they're back around in town, they'll probably like think to to look us up again so they can book the experience uh, when it works within their schedule. Yeah. So you kind of explained how you came up with that concept of the blending lab. Was that first thought process strictly just we're going to blend? Was it, was it, you know, we're going to do, we're going to do glass by the glass type thing. What was that initial thought process of it? So I think initially it's hard to open up a business like the blending lab in the middle of LA. I mean, it's probably hard enough to do it in Paso, I'd imagine, but to open up a business like that in the middle of LA and just expect that people are immediately going to come do a blending class. Right. And so I think we always had it in our mind. We were definitely in a more walkable area within LA too, when we got started around West third and the farmer's market, if anybody's familiar. So you're always going to get traffic walking by. And if we knew that if we could get people through the door and get them to taste the wines, we could talk a little bit about the concept and sort of build a class. So ironically, I mean, we were open for at least two to three months in the early days before we even did one blending class because we wanted the time to sort of build up some energy and some momentum uh, and then also sort of reserve the right to really make the decision as to what the blending class really should have looked like. And then we sort of optimized it and innovated uh, since then in a, a number of different ways and for a number of different pressure-based reasons like COVID. <laughs> when, when somebody, can somebody just come in uh, like today? Well, maybe not necessarily today, but can somebody just walk in if you are open and say, I want to do a blending class or is it by appointment only to do the blending class? Yeah, it's mostly by appointment. And I'll tell you this, that after COVID, we did try to do a blend your own glass or I'm sorry, blend your own experience, like without the instruction in LA where people could just book and blend on their own, but people don't like to blend on their own. They think they like to blend on their own, but like, it's crucial to have the instruction because before you start blending, you need to understand why you're blending and why you're blending it, why you like it why you don't like it. So these like self-guided blending experiences that we, you can book at any time ended up being more guided. So we've definitely kind of figured out like class is the way to go. And in order for the class to really exist, you kind of have to prepare because we do have this whole kind of crazy like lab setup. It's like, you know, it's 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 kind of like that, what's that show? Uh, it's like breaking, breaking bad, bad with wine, you know, <laughs> like this whole setup and, and it takes time to set it up and it takes time to take it down. So it's really difficult. Like you'd have to literally have someone sit around to kind of wait for it to be set up. So it's really just works better in a scheduled environment when you're with others as well. It's so much more fun when you're able to do the class with a large group of people, because you get really just the, the spectrum, you know, somebody, we get people that um, know nothing about wine. 
might not even like wine and they just get dragged by their friends to somebody that that's a psalm or you know a w said two or whatever and they're all kind of level set because we do everything blind and you kind of see these two groups interact and each one of them learns something new and that experience is just kind of enhanced when you're blending with someone yeah the class energy is something that i think most people don't realize how it works it starts quiet. Everybody's intimidated by the person next to them. And then they all realize they're all kind of like on, on exactly the same page. And then by the end, you actually can't get them to leave. Or they leave together and go to dinner. Yeah. We have had so many people who are like switching numbers or like heading out oh. to dinner. Afterwards Solid camaraderie. Yeah, it's it's really fun. It's fun but, to watch that. But I'll also say, I mean, we look at Paso as a completely different sort of environment to LA as we should, right? And we still wanted to provide experiences that you could walk into that would give you a reason to walk in. Let's say you can't make the class because you can't be there at five o'clock on Friday or or whenever it is throughout the weekend. Like we realize people have plans, but should still stop by. We created a, a tasting flight that sort of takes the basic premise of the class or what you okay. might learn in the class. And it overlays that across the wines that you're tasting. So one of them, we, I mean, we call, we kind of selfishly call this the activate Paso flight because we we just had this like idea of if we could just educate people a little bit better about wine before they went off to every other winery they'd probably appreciate every other winery more and then you're welcome they'd buy more bottles yeah. the result of that at <laughs> least of the stuff that they would like so they'd go home and they'd like it still when they yeah. went home right. and then they'd sign up for club the next time so the idea is you get four four wines and you have to sort of deconstruct your your perception about the wine so that you're you're ultimately scoring each wine independently and then you're understanding what your favorite wine is based on the sum of the scores sorry kind of like I a will fun add, quick thing i will add one more thing we also do private events so we do private wine blending classes so with enough notice that's always an option so like that walk in maybe like if you walk in and just want to do a class right this minute might not work but reach out to us in advance and we're able to accommodate you know parties uh, that require a special time or a special day. And so when you go online, I, I saw the Activate Paso, and then you have another tasting experience, yeah. uh, just the tasting flight. So Activate Paso flight and tasting flight. What would be the difference between those two flights? So the tasting flight is, those are all of our current blends. Right now, they're all of our 2020s, essentially. Um, there's a white a rosé, and three reds. And those will give you the wines. You can enjoy them just like you would. It's very casual, go at your own pace type of situation. Because we get a lot, a lot of people like just don't want to be bothered. They're on vacation. They're trying to relax. They don't want the extra stimulus. So that's really for them. Uh, the other flight, to make it a little bit more special, we're taking what we're quote unquote calling our, our library wines. We're not a, the oldest winery, but like we've got wines back to the 2015 and 16 vintage vintages still. So we're kind of bringing those in as an extra layer uh, to create the differential. And then again, it's, that's a blind experience. Like you don't know what you have in front of you. Okay. And the, but we have this saying actually, and it's don't blame the wine. It's not the wine's fault for either you liking it or disliking it because the grapes are the grapes. The region's the region. The time of year is the time of year. There's a lot of things that will go into uh, forming somebody's preference for for a wine in the moment. And by removing the stigma, we just let people sort of lean into the details and the facts about the wine that guide their preferences. So that flight helps to unlock that by giving you the sort of basics and then forces you to overlay those basics on the wines that you're tasting. It's better to do that in a blind fashion. And then we're also rewarding you. Uh, by giving you some older wines to enjoy. <laughs> so if just very protective, like with that saying, don't blame the wine, like we're protective of the wine making industry as just mm -hmm. a representation of what somebody loves about their wine. Their, it's their experience, you know? So we want to make sure that like customers, when they come in, they kind of understand that like there was a plan for each of the wine, like whether you go to this winery or that winery, that's somebody's like passion in a bottle. So don't blame the wine. It might not be for you, but don't blame the wine because there is a purpose for that wine and somebody else might love it just a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if I, somebody comes walking in, so let's start, what are your hours? You're open mostly weekends. Is that? For now we're open mostly weekends. So we're Friday two to seven, Saturday noon to seven, and then uh, Sunday noon to five. Okay. 
So if I'm walking downtown and I walk past the the blending lab, I can walk in and I can have one of those flights. Yeah, one of those flights. Or if you already know, like, let's say you already know it's early. Uh, let's say you're running late to, or not know, let's say you're running a little early to a dinner reservation at Il Cortile, for example, pop in and grab a glass of our white blend. We've got an orange wine right now that's running low. So come in and enjoy that. Uh, you can definitely grab a glass of wine too, but if you want more diversity, you can totally just come in and enjoy the flight if you're walking by. So I guess like to tie that all together, outside of the wine blending experiences, we also offer the traditional winery experience yeah. too, because you know we blend our own wines, right? So the wines that we offer to our wine club um, and the wines that we offer at the tasting room are wines that we've blended. So our perfect blends. So as customers are able to come in and create their perfect blends, they can also try what we think. You know, give, gives us a little bit more of an expertise. We essentially take the process that we do in the winery during blending, unless we're co-fermenting, uh, and we're showcasing to uh, our clients, this is how we do it, this is what we do. You know, you don't like something, you can always blend it and figure out how to tailor it to your flavor profile. And this is our representation of what we thought that harvest was fantastic. And even the three of us, me, Michael, and Chris, we all have very different taste profiles. So like each of the wines in the flight is a representation probably of each of us. And the other one probably doesn't like it as much because again, we, you know, we appreciate it, but each wine kind of represents what we love about wine at that moment in time, which also changes over time. And where are you making your wine? So down in the LA area, technically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So ironically, you know, right now we're, we're sourcing our grapes from Paso. Uh, we're taking them down to LA and then bringing them back. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't always the plan, you know, but hey, it works. <laughs> there might be a little more rethinking of that one there. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the future. <laughs> well, so, listen, like I said, we always dream of having that vineyard. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So somebody comes in and they want to do the blending experience. Mm -hmm. I saw online you can you can do uh you know use talk as your reservation system. They come in, they do the they do the uh reservation and now they come in. Are they are they choosing I want to do a red wine blend or I want to do a white wine blend or I want to do a rosé or they have no clue what they're getting and you're bringing the wines yeah. to them basically zero choice they have okay. zero choice i have all the choice uh no so <laughs> you hold I, the power the, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're actively working on expanding the options so right now we do a red wine blending class and we've talked for years about doing a white wine blending class but since we source so many of our grapes from paso we just were never able to fully logistically get enough separate white varietals to actually create a okay. class now we do have that. So um, it's only a matter of time before I get all the materials together uh, to get that white wine uh, blending class up. Maybe rosé in the future as well. There's, there's no reason why not. The way the class works, actually, so you come in, you sit down, and you're given three wines. And the reason why I joke about the fact that, like, you don't get a choice in the matter is because, again, we're trying to sort of, like, remove the stigma away from trying to trying to put a label on ideal wines as being a GSM blend or a Bordeaux style blend or in some sort of Italian blend or whatever. And we'll pick whatever wines that we, we have at the tasting room. And in some cases, it could be a GSM or it could be something completely different, grapes that you would never think commonly go together. And we just give you three beakers, wine one, wine two, and wine three. And the entire class is just done on the foundation of a blind tasting experience because the second that you tell somebody there's a cab, boy, their blend becomes a cab if they think they like cabs. So again, we prefer to sort of surprise people about their preferences or confirm their preferences at the very end when they've gotten the bottle to take with them, then they get to know what the wines were that they were using. And then we're always changing. And so there is always going to be diversity in the classes. What we're using today in August is not going to be the same in December or this time next year. It's going to be wildly different. And how many wines do you produce that you can pull from? You know, it depends year to year, but I would say on average, at least six to seven different varietals. Okay. Yeah, not, I mean, that's not even including not white, so we're probably up to like nine or, or so in that case. And obviously yeah. not including what we blend and like produce yeah. our wine blends. Yeah. 
And so they come in. So I have an idea and I don't know if you do it or not, but I, I think it would be cool if people came in and then, and you may be doing it already. They come in, they make their own individual wine. So let's say you have 10 people in this class, right? 10 people have signed up for that same time period. They may or may not know each other, but they all, all 10 of them have those same three wines for that day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then they make their blends. Do they get to vote on who has the best blend? Sometimes, mostly in private events, I would say, like, especially if you host like company, uh, you know, gatherings where people get a little competitive, we have had that happen. But I would say in the class, individual class, have you ever had that happen? I feel like you mm -hmm. teach all of them. No, but I do encourage people to share a blend that they think that they've done that's fantastic. Because again, like, sometimes people just get a little bit stuck, and they kind of need a little inspiration. And just that that sharing just kind of like really you like wine one well, how do you like wine one and like, <laughs> oh that sounds amazing I should try that and then they try it and then they're like I'm gonna make your blend but I'm gonna make it a little bit different mm -hmm. this, is what, this is what it's gonna mean for me but to Max's point like we've done bespoke experiences that get at that where you're breaking into groups and the group has to come up with a blend and then somebody has to judge it at the end of the day yeah and now a word from our sponsor Josina Wines loves to give back. There are so many fur babies that deserve to find their forever home. We would love to be able to help as many as possible. If you are part of a nonprofit organization or know of a nonprofit organization that would like to hold a fundraiser, please contact us at contact at dracinawines.com or visit our website, dracinawines.com, to fill out the form. How does the fundraiser work? It is super simple and costs your group absolutely nothing. Together, we will choose a month that your group will be sponsored. During the month, you promote the fundraiser just like any other event you'd hold. At the end of the month, we will donate 20% of the sales to your organization. The donations will be made in the name of each individual who purchased the wine so that you know exactly who helped the animals. Our goal is to raise as much funds as we possibly can and to help as many animals as possible. So please help us help as many fur babies as we possibly can. So they're getting a graduated cylinder, some Erlenmeyer flasks and... Beakers. Sorry, yeah. Beakers, okay. Beakers and three wines that they don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. And then as they're going through this process, you're educating them without educating them of what is in the three wines. Mm -hmm. And then they just get to blend using, you know, the the graduated cylinder. So they're probably making what a 50 milliliter blend, a hundred milliliter blend, 50, 50 milliliter yeah. blend. And then where does it go from there? So basically there's a three, there's like three parts of the class. There's a blunt, there's that speed tasting of the wines where you get a gut check for your preferences. And then we pick apart the preferences in the second phase where I teach people how to really sort of see, smell and taste a wine to understand it better. And then you're probably doing about four to five different blends after that, where I'll prompt you and give you a couple of examples to try um, maybe like a 50, 50 blend, let's say of two wines. And then you also get a pipette. And so with the, pipette, Oh, of course you need a pipette. Sorry. You're experimenting, tweaking along the way. So you might be tasting this 50, 50 wine and you're thinking, I think it should be 60, 40. Let me try the 60, 40. Oh, this is better. That's interesting. I wonder what would happen if I added that third wine in. Maybe right. I could try that with low risk without having to make this whole new blend and just kind of see it now. And that sort of instigates uh, the sort of like path that people can go down to do their four or five, however many blends that they can do with the wine that they're, they're allotted. But you're missing yeah. the most fun part. At the end of the experience, they make a bottle of their own blend to go. So we have these cute little 375 milliliter bottles that, you know, they take, I, I call it a recipe because I don't have a better word for it, but they take their favorite blend recipe and they get to make a bottle to take home. So they get to cork it themselves, you know, and obviously like we're not producing their wine. So like they can't make like hundred cases of their wine <laughs> or something like that. It's just for, for, for fun and they get to enjoy it later. We have a label um, that you actually get to write on so they can name the wine, they can design their label. And we've had some yeah. really creative labels in the past. Yeah. 
creative. <laughs> so creative, I probably can't say them out loud on this podcast. Oh, I get it. I love I love the creativity of, of people who come in. Like some people like kind of come in with a plan and I feel like they already knew what they're going to call their wines. And then some oh, people yeah. think like, I should call it this. And that's a, a good thing to share across the group. Right. Sure. So they get to take home that 375 bottle present it to whomever they want to present it to and say, I made this. And that is an awesome feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe you are creating new budding winemakers. Yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Maybe. I mean, one of our favorite stories is that we, I think Max alluded to this earlier. Sometimes you get people who force this experience on their friends, right? So you have two people who love wine and then you have like eight to 15 people who are just sort of like, they might casually drink it. And oftentimes it can be really challenging to handle that crowd because they're going to be the least receptive to the experience. And they're going to have the most criticism of the experience probably, which is kind of funny. But to be fair, we had somebody come into one of our classes and was definitely that person. And two years later, they came back and they forced it on a new group of ah. friends of their own and they're like, actually, you know, coming out of that class, I started to drink a little bit more wine and I got a little bit more uh, promiscuous with the wine tasting and I tried more things. And now I'm kind of hooked on wines that I never thought I would drink before. So Except she was like super excited yeah. when she reached out and was yes. like, I don't drink wine. You yeah. know? So, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. That's the best feeling. It's the best feeling because that's exactly what we're there for. You know, we want to make wine fun. We want to make wine approachable. And our classes are just so diverse in, in you know, people's experience with wine, age groups. Basically, you'll find anybody in them. And I think that's the beautiful part is that really they, they are for everyone and they're just meant for you to have fun with wine. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of teaching them how to dissect the wine to recognize, okay, well, maybe this grape variety, I don't know what this is, but this has got a lot of floral to it. This has got a lot of aromatics to it. And I don't know what this wine is, but, ooh, that's got a lot of tannin to it. And, exactly. you know, this way, and so, right. Where does it come from? If you're afraid of it, like, are you afraid of these other things too? Probably not. And if you just think about it in a different context you might actually like find at least, like I said, with the don't play, might find a different level of appreciation for that thing. You might not like it, but like you'll be able to tolerate it. Absolutely. And Michael does reveal the wines at the end. So I will okay. say we do use a lot of Zin and I feel like over time we've created a lot of Zin lovers because I think people mm-hmm. just have this weird aversion to, to Zin. And, you know, if you tell yeah. them that it's a Zin, I don't know, they associate it with like white Zinfandel or just yeah. flat out don't like it and don't want to like it. But if you do it blind, they'll oftentimes be surprised how much they actually like Zin. Zin and Merlot. Yeah, yes. if you're out there and you're trying to sell some Merlot right now and you're not having much success, just put it in a blind tasting. Blind tasting. Right. Yeah. Zin, Zinfandel has had a rough time because it went through that period of, well, white Zin, which is, we'd all like to forget that period. But for a long period of time, it just was so big and so jammy. It was like a headache in a Ugly. bottle. Yeah. 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 And like everything else, you just have to learn where to plant it, how to grow it and when to harvest it to let it express what it wants to express. Uh, but I agree, people have people have affinity towards certain varieties and very much, nope, I don't drink that at all. So having that blind thing would be really kind of cool if they, you know, in their brain, they don't like Zinfandel and then that blend that they've created with you is a Zinfandel-led blend. That would be, yeah. that would be yeah. a very big aha moment for them. Yeah. Happens all the time. So where you said that you're getting your fruit from Paso, how are you? Uh, ma- how are you making these connections to the to the vineyards? Are you always looking for new vineyard sites? Do you have basic contracts with these vineyards so it's the same vineyard over and over again? What are you doing? I think we're always open to exploring more. I don't know we have a lot of work to do to to get out and hit the ground and, and definitely meet more more people just around the industry in general in Paso and definitely some growers to unlock some new new options. Um, we are usually, I mean, we have our staples, 
but we're also definitely in the market for a lot more of your obscure varietals. So if you told me you had Tariga, there you go. I'm going to want to talk to you. If you have like, I don't know, Primitivo or any other like Sangiovese, Barbera, you know, other, other types of Nebbiolo varietals that like are out there that people don't think belong in California or don't think that they belong mm -hmm. in Paso. Like those are definitely the types of grapes that we're, we're interested in. And certainly we've established some relationships where we've gotten grapes from certain vineyards year after year after year. And we've sort of leaned into um, sourcing from, from those vineyards to also maybe convince them to pass us some of the more obscure stuff too, uh, to develop that trust. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's what we're after. Obscure white varietals, obscure reds, along with the staples. So we have that healthy balance. And are you physically making the wine or do you have a consultant winemaker or a winemaker? So we have, yeah, we have consultant winemakers that we we work with. I mean, like Max said, we still do our day jobs too. So there's there's no there's no real chance for us to fully immerse ourselves into the 14 hour days at harvest or longer uh, and, and pull that off and, and still do our day jobs. So we'll transition into that in, in due time. That. We're pretty much so present and you know oh, yeah. we, we love going during harvest when the grapes just come in like we're just like on the phone like we're you know when whenever like our winemakers are coming with the grapes like we start heading to the wine yeah are you on the so, five yet yeah the five yet there you we go taste it you know like now they've got these fancy machines but like i used to like you know i i, I don't come from a farming background but my family does in poland so like i actually like getting dirty and you know like doing things doing the manual labor but yeah that that's big that, that was more like when we got started there yep. was a lot more opportunity for that <laughs> she will clean your bins for you i will clean bins yep. yes all right we you all heard it we'll take advantage for harvest available <laughs> <laughs> so explain again where you're actually located in downtown so that people when they're there they can go and find you yeah, so we are on the west side of the park, uh, travel past the Sinclair gas station, uh, past Rodeo Bar, and then you'll find us on the left before you get to Il Cortile uh, at the Piccolo Symbiosis Wines, right next to, to Glenn and Symbiosis, and then we're across the street from Spearhead Coffee, in mm -hmm. case you're a morning person and you like your coffee. Little and coffee before blending. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And as you said, you're open late, so you can get that pre-dinner uh, glass of wine if you would like, or a flight. Um, on on average, when you're doing the blending class, how how much wine are they getting into each? Are they you're starting them off with equal amounts? Yeah, you get 150 mLs of each wine. Okay. That's a lot of wine, but it's kind of necessary if you're going to taste it a couple of times to familiarize yourself and then also try some blends. And so I don't totally encourage everybody to just like go slam everything back. Like we've got dump buckets and you can pace yourself accordingly and everybody, everybody does, uh, but it, it's just enough to get you what you need. And then you get the bottle for later. So it's totally fine. And how long about is this experience? Blending class is somewhere between an hour and a half and two hours. I would say it probably depends less on me and more on the group because some of the groups will have more questions and, and get a little bit more rambunctious than others. And okay. so those are the parties that last a little bit longer. And yeah. I would assume that the more people that are there, the longer it takes. Yep. And if they know each other versus it's just a group of, of people who chose the same time. Exactly. Do you have a minimum of people? for a specific day class or a maximum of people for? No, fun fact, I've done classes for one on multiple occasions throughout the years. And sometimes those are actually the most interesting fun classes because it's like a personal wine training session <laughs> about it. Okay. I've also done it for 50 plus. So. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. What do you think you can handle in the tasting room at one time? You know, so we have about 24, 20, yeah, 24. And you have that nice back room still, right? Where is that? No, that's actually being used as our storage. So we kind of redesigned the, the room where 
the back area um, of the tasting room is actually our, our lab. And we have these collapsible um, curtains that uh, create a private space. Yeah. yeah so that's pretty cool. our classes for now, we have this, we have it set up where it's basically six, uh, sorry, um, eight, yeah, 16 people in the class. Uh, but you, we have another table that we can make it a little bit larger if necessary. And so I make my little blend and then am I scaling it up to the 375 or am I telling you this is my percentages? And oh, no, it's, it's a collaborative experience. If you want to okay. do the math yourself, you're welcome to. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was I, thinking. I can kinda... usually assist with that. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, you know, I'm thinking, Oh, you know, some people you put a, you put a graduated cylinder in front of them and it's like panic mode. And then, you know, they don't, always kind of get that concept of how to up upscale it that that percentage kind of changes a bit when you yeah so all right and there, there are tiers there there are tiers of science and math in this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's funny but i did start to like do cheat sheets for everybody and, and it more so started with one of our employees uh here in la that was like math so i started doing like all right X percentage is this many milliliters, X per, you know? So there are little cheat sheets for those who don't want to do the I math know, on their we own. We all have calculators <laughs> on our phones. We're fine. But it's a, it's a good starting point, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know some people just prefer to have the, the cheat sheet. I get it. I get it. And they're probably nervous that they're going to mess it up a bit, you know? Probably. So so a cheat sheet is always a good thing to have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, had, I've had plenty of people who've handed me blends that added up to 90 Oh, or yes, that added true. up to 120. Yes. <laughs> okay, I, I, we figure it out. It's fine. Yeah, that's part of the fun. That's part okay. of the experience. Yeah. <laughs> and so how can people find the Blending Lab? Where, you know, online, social media, where, where are you at? Yeah, so we're online. Uh, you can find us at uh, www.thewineblendinglab.com and we have information about our parcel location, the link to talk, the link to our store. So even if you're not able to come into the tasting room and maybe do a class, we do offer virtual hybrid classes and on-demand classes where you can buy a blending kit that we released mm -hmm. a couple years ago and partake in the same experience, um, you know, wherever you're at or at your hotel room. Uh, and then we also have an Instagram and a TikTok, and that's the Blending Lab um, on Instagram and also the Blending Lab on TikTok. So uh, we post some fun videos and posts, you know, we try to keep it entertaining, but also we post a lot of updates about what's happening, you know, like we're going to be partaking in the downtown, um, you know, tasting event in September, where we're going to do a little chocolate and wine pairing. That's oh, okay. Yeah. So definitely, you know, if, uh, whenever um, if people tune in on Instagram, I always post about those stuff and I manage it. So I try to, you know, I try to maintain it fairly consistently. I understand how difficult that is because I do, I do ours and it's, you know, it's very easy to go, Oh, I didn't do something today or whatever. So. And photos, you know, photos is like another thing. I feel like with Paso, our photos have gotten better because I think we have like a a lot a lot different scenery so there's a lot of like scenic photos that are coming into play. <laughs> but sometimes I'm just like I, I just don't have the content what do I do yeah I get it I get it and so is there anything that I forgot to ask you that you want people to know about the blending lab I always want to give that opportunity oh, gosh I don't know I feel like we covered a, a good amount yeah. of real estate yeah, yeah. And listen, if somebody has questions, they can always reach out to us. We're really quick with, with getting back to everybody. Info at thewineblendinglab.com. So if we forgot something that maybe we're not thinking about, <laughs> reach out to us. We love to we love to chat with people. I would just say, like, if, you, if you're worried about the wine quality, don't worry. We've had wines rated in the past. They've gotten 90 plus. So well, we, we, we do a good job with the wine part, too. Yeah, not just perfect. the so actually that gives me a question. So we talked about that you can uh, walk in and have a flight. We talked that you can walk in and just like have a glass of a wine. So you have a menu of wines that are available and they can do it by the glass. Yeah. Can somebody come in and just like, oh, I really like that glass of Turiga Nacional. Can I just buy a bottle? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You can buy a bottle. Um, we, have some, we had somebody buy a bottle the other day and we shipped it to them. 
Okay. So ship it out. Um, you can also replenish and, and buy the wines online and we'll get them to you if you'd like. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we totally forgot to talk about the fact that like every other winery, we have wine club. So you can consistently come in and enjoy the perks um, or you can enjoy uh, our, our different bottles that we've got uh, or that we release every every half year. So so again, like we try to we try to keep uh, the wines that we have in the tasting room in a mix of consistency and freshness. So like there's something new to explore and try, but you can always uh, find your favorite. And we diversify the wines between LA and Paso. So something that you'll taste in Paso, you might not necessarily have an opportunity to taste in LA unless you're part of our club and vice versa. So we try to kind of keep it fun and offer different things. And we also have fun swag. So that's oh, yeah, fun swag. t-shirt. Buy this t-shirt. I love the shirt. I, really person. I have the shirt. It's fine. <laughs> we judge. I wear it all the time. <laughs> so that's really great then if you you know that means that somebody who comes in and do does a blending experience today they can you know when they come back to paso you know for their six-month visit they can do it again and it's not going to be the same varieties that they're blending yeah. today so it's always a constantly changing thing that they can keep coming back to you for exactly yeah perfect Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I appreciate you taking the time and, you know, welcome to downtown Paso. One, you know, one of these days when I get my little break, I've go, I'll walk down there and check out the, what you've done to the place and uh, see what's going on there. Sounds thank good. You. Thanks yeah. for the welcome. Very right. nice to, to chat with you. Yes. You guys have a great day. All right. You too. You too. All right. See you, you soon. soon. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoyt Bud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter at exploringthewineglass.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Podcast music is Wine by Kevins. Until next week, slancha. Now.